And welcome back, everybody, to Cresta in the Afternoon. I'm Gary Machudas, subbing for El Cresta, and we're preparing for Holy Week. And, of course, one great way to prepare for Holy Week is to meditate on the last words of Christ. And so we're going to talk with uh, Kevin Vost, Dr. Kevin Vost, on the seven meditations on Christ's seven last words. And uh, you're familiar with uh, the work of Kevin Vost. He's a well-known author and psychiatrist. And uh, Kevin Vost, welcome to El Cresta's uh, Cresta in the Afternoon. Okay, so I guess we don't have... <laughs> yeah, so again, this is uh, very important for uh, Catholic devotion to fo- focus on the last words of Christ and specifically his last actions. Remember, in crucifixion, it's it's not merely just a, a capital punishment, but it's a torture. It's done through, su- uh, through uh, suffocation. So it, Jesus is using his last words, his last breath, to express things so you know that his last words will be very important and certainly worthy of meditating on. And I guess our, our guest is here. Uh, here is uh, Dr. Kevin Vost. And Dr. Vost, how are you doing? I'm doing uh, just fine. Thanks for having me on today with you, Gary. Yeah. Well, hey, um, I appreciate this article that uh, you put out. We're uh, here looking at the uh, meditations on Christ's seven last words. What are Christ's seven last words? Yeah, it's, it's, this is a you know beautiful devotion that Catholics have have practiced for years, and is entirely scriptural because all of these seven words not they're not literal words, they're seven statements that Christ made while he was on the cross, called from the Gospels. Would you? I, the, the first is, uh, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Uh, then he says, "Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise," which he says to the good thief. He says to his, the, his mother and his beloved disciple John. Woman, behold your son. Then to John, behold your mother. He later says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We know he said, I thirst. Then he said, It is finished. And finally, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Mm, yeah, so uh, so it is in literal seven words. These are really important phrases because, like I said, you know, Jesus is... Um, he has to to really work in order to speak. So all of them, even though some of them are short, are really rich in meaning, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. You know, St. Augustine you know, said many centuries ago that even the cross upon which he was hung was the chair of the master teaching. So yes, you know, Christ can barely breathe. He's in, you know, unthinkable mm. pain, and he's still reaching out to people. He's calling for God to forgive the people who put him there. He's reaching out to that good thief and promising him heaven. He's taking care of his own mother, of his own friend, uh, and then you know he's he's calling out to God in in, in his human nature as the actual for the actual suffering he's undergoing, and yet he knows he can still reach out to God, his Father, and pray to Him. So just amazing lessons in every one of these brief statements. Yeah, yeah. So um, well, let's take the first statement. Uh, maybe you could set us up and uh, tell us a little bit about. Uh, how do you understand it? Sure, sure. And I, and I will say, I, I really first came across this kind of in devotion in one of Fulton J. Sheen's books mm-hmm. on the seven capital sins. And so there's been many uses for these statements. And, and, and uh, Archbishop Sheen first used this first statement, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, as a remedy to the sin of wrath or anger. You know, Christ mm-hmm. is teaching us 
not to lash out at others, even when they've grievously offended us. You know, so, so there's that lesson there. In my own musings and later writings, like I wrote a book on loneliness, uh, I thought, what, what lesson is in there for lonely people? Because many theologians have wrote about Christ's actual loneliness you know, on the cross, in the Garden of Gethsemane. So I'm thinking, well, how many of us are lonely because we, we've held a grudge? We haven't forgiven someone, or maybe they haven't forgiven us. You know, can we reach out to them? You know, Christ wrote, you know, reached out to people, in a sense, even when his hands were nailed to the cross. Well, we're not nailed to the cross. Can we do things now to forgive our neighbors or to ask forgiveness that might, you know, lead to our redemption and theirs? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So even on the cross, you know, this is, he, Jesus is setting an example for us uh, to, to forgive those who, uh, you know, the trespass against us. Yeah, exactly. You know, that is something to remember. You know, Jesus is here completely immobile and in great pain, and he's still giving us these these teachings that are just so so loving. You know, uh, so yeah, every one of them has has a real a lesson for us. Many many lessons for us, actually. Yeah. How about the the words to uh, the good thief? Truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yes, and those words I know Bishop Sheen first talked about them in in context of of envy. And, and envy is a sense where we we're sad about somebody else's good, and we're we're wanting more on our own. And and the the other thief there kind of railed at Jesus and berated him and said, you know, if you're truly God, why don't you bring us down from this cross, you know, and 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 so forth. But that good thief uh, defended Jesus and and uh, told the other thief that you know, here's Jesus on the cross for us for for crimes. You know, we basically our crimes were guilty. Jesus is innocent. So he reached out to Jesus, and Jesus said that. You know, he was going to join him in paradise that day. So even though this good thief, in tradition I believe it's called him Dismas, uh, even though this good thief may have lived a life of sin, he turned to Christ before his own death, and Christ rewarded him w- with heaven. So just this great, powerful lesson in redemption that, that we can always turn to Christ, and he's going to accept us, you know, if, if we truly repent. Yeah, I mean, even at the last moment, you know, it... <laughs> You can. It, there's always that mercy that's held out to us. That's absolutely right. You know, and that we often don't for know for sure when our last moment is going to be. So, yeah. in a sense, we need to always remember that. Always remember that Jesus is there to forgive us. You know, even if we feel like we've done something that's unforgivable, Jesus gave us the sacrament of the confession. You know, He mm-hmm. always gives us a chance to make it right with Him. Yeah. Now, the last uh, or the next word is something I think most Catholics are familiar with because it involves Mary, where Jesus says, behold your son and to his beloved disciple, behold your mother. Yes, absolutely. You know, and when we speak of Mary as the blessed mother, of course, she's the mother of, of God. She's the mother of, of Jesus. And, and uh, But he's also been, in a sense, given her as the mother to all of us. She's made the queen of heaven. You know, she's the mother of uh, of, of the church, so there's that that great giving there. Mm-hmm. God, uh, Jesus is, is you know he cares about his mother. He's telling John, you know, here, here is your mother, and asking John also to care for her. So I think it's just a, a wonderful lesson to us to always remember that the Blessed Mother, Jesus's own mother, he's given us her to us, so we can always uh, turn to her, and she will intercede for us uh, with her son. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, uh, the early church fathers always pointed out how, you know, this is the fulfillment of Simeon's prophecy about Mary, that a sword will pierce her soul. 
So in a sense, she's suffering there, and Jesus is filled with compassion and cares about her. Oh, absolutely. You know, in a sense, her suffering was, you know, her, her emotional suffering would have been as, as, as great as, as Christ, in a, in a sense. You know, her, her own son, who she loved so much, who was a sinless man, she's seeing this before her eyes. John, you know, a human like the rest of us, but Jesus' dear friend is witnessing this also. So when they're suffering this tremendous emotional pain, there is Jesus nailed to the cross comforting them. So it is a very, yeah. very powerful lesson to us. Yeah, deep insights. Absolutely. Uh, this one has caused a lot of confusion. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, was it that Jesus felt that uh, God the Father had left them? Yeah, and this, you know, my understanding here, one, I believe, you know, quoting or paraphrasing one of the Psalms, mm-hmm. the, yeah. this cry to God, and, and my interpretation, you know, we know that, that, you know, Jesus is God incarnate, and he willingly came on and, and took human nature for us, for our sake, to save us. So as a human being, you know, he, he suffered like we did. He, he genuinely hurt, you know, it was excruciating. So, so in my understanding is in that sense, is that human undergoing pain, you know, he, he's, it's almost, almost too much for him to bear as a human being, but he's calling out to God. He knows even in that circumstance, he can still call out to God who's his Father, and he expects, expects his Heavenly Father to, to hear him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and I think that another thing, too, is that since he's quoting the Psalms, I think it's a good example for us to, you know, tuck away some biblical verses to memorize them. So when we're suffering, you know, we have scripture that we can repair to that we can recite. Because sometimes when we're in a month's suffering, we, we can't think of the right words to say. Oh, exactly, exactly. So we have these, you know, beautiful words of Scripture that are that are worth memorizing. You know, lessons that we can pull out and and, and apply that can comfort us, that can comfort other people. That they're so well worth learning, you know. And and what's really worth memorizing more than the words of Jesus Himself at this point, uh, at this point, right before He uh, he, he dies for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thirst. Um, that that's an interesting uh, thing for Jesus to say. You know, almost a, a little of out of place. Why would he express that, uh, his thirst? What's the spiritual significance of that? Yeah, to me, you know, I see a few different possible lessons there. I know I wrote about it once in the context of addressing uh, loneliness. And interestingly, some modern psychologists have, have uh, compared loneliness to, to thirst. It's like a thirst hmm. for attention, a desire, a need to, to have attention from other people. So I think, you know, that, that Christ in a way, he's calling us out to remember that there are people around us who thirst, who thirst for our attention. But I think, too, it's reminding us that, okay, here is Jesus, again, who took on human nature, became a, you know, a human being. So he's genuinely suffering. He's genuinely thirsty. And I think that also reminds us of, of the traditional works of mercy. You know, there are spiritual works of mercy we do for the sake of people's souls. But there's also corporal, bodily things that we do for people. We feed people when they're hungry. We give them drink when they're thirsty. And, and Christ is uh, reminding this. You know, there are people all around us in, in a state of hunger and a state of thirst. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, it is uh, finished. It is finished. Um, that's interesting. I, I, I don't know what would be the spiritual application for us. Well, here, here I will bother, borrow, sorry, borrow an insight from Fulton J. Sheen again. Okay. And he addressed it to the, the, the devisin of sloth or uh, acedia, not, not caring, you know, 
or not mm-hmm. being diligent, not working. And Jesus was reminding us, you know, he had the hardest job of all to do, to die on that cross. And yet he, he, he did it, you know, so there's a, a sense that my task, you know, was assigned and it was very difficult, but it is now, it is now done. It, it is finished. So the goal, he, the reason he came here to die for us, to conquer death, to conquer sin, had been accomplished. So in a way, it's like, you know, reaching that finish line, you know, uh, or a mm-hmm. runner, you're crossing the line. It's been done. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, well, I hear the music coming up. Uh, Dr. Vos, thank you so much for coming on Crest in the afternoon. We appreciate it. Oh, it's always my pleasure. Thanks so much, and God bless. All right. That's Dr. Kevin Vost. You're listening to Crest in the Afternoon. I'm Gary Machuda, subbing for the great El Cresta. We'll be right back. <laughs> 